0: chapter sixteen of my bondage and my freedom by frederick douglass this librivox recording is in the public domain another pressure of the tyrant's vice experience at covey's summed up first six months severer than the second preliminaries to the change reasons for narrating the circumstances seen in the treading yard author taken ill unusual brutality of covey author escapes to st michael's the pursuit suffering in the woods driven back again to covey's bearing of master thomas the slave is never sick natural to expect slaves to feign sickness laziness of slaveholders the foregoing chapter with all its horrid incidents and shocking features may be taken as a fair representation of the first six months of my life at covey's the reader has but to repeat in his own mind once a week the scene in the woods where covey subjected me to his merciless lash to have a true idea of my bitter experience there during the first period of the breaking process through which mr covey carried me i have no heart to repeat each separate transaction in which i was a victim of his violence and brutality such a narration would fill a volume much larger than the present one i aim only to give the reader a truthful impression of my slave life without unnecessarily affecting him with harrowing details as i have elsewhere intimated that my hardships were much greater during the first six months of my stay at covey's than during the remainder of the year and as the change in my condition was owing to causes which may help the reader to a better understanding of human nature when subjected to the terrible extremities of slavery i will narrate the circumstances of this change although i may seem thereby to applaud my own courage you have dear reader seen me humbled degraded broken down enslaved and brutalized and you understand how it was done now let us see the converse of all this and how it was brought about And this will take us through the year eighteen thirty four on one of the hottest days of the month of august of the year just mentioned had the reader been passing through covey's farm he might have seen me at work in what is there called the treading yard a yard upon which wheat is trodden out from the straw by the horses feet i was there at work feeding the fan or rather bringing wheat to the fan while bill smith was feeding our force consisted of bill hughes bill smith and a slave by the name of eli the latter having been hired for this occasion the work was simple and required strength and activity rather than any skill or intelligence and yet to one entirely unused to such work it came very hard the heat was intense and overpowering and there was much hurry to get the wheat trodden out that day through the fan since if that work was done an hour before sundown the hands would have according to a promise of covey that hour added to their night's rest i was not behind any of them in the wish to complete the day's work before sundown and hence i struggled with all my might to get the work forward the promise of one hour's repose on a weekday was sufficient to quicken my pace and to spur me on to extra endeavor besides we had all planned to go fishing and i certainly wished to have a hand in that but i was disappointed and the day turned out to be one of the bitterest i ever experienced about three o'clock while the sun was pouring down his burning rays and not a breeze was stirring i broke down my strength failed me i was seized with a violent aching of the head attended with extreme dizziness and trembling in every limb finding what was coming and feeling it would never do to stop work i nerved myself up and staggered on until i fell by the side of the wheat fan feeling that the earth had fallen upon me this brought the entire work to a dead stand there was work for four each one had his part to perform and each part depended on the other so that when one stopped all were compelled to stop covey who had now become my dread as well as my tormentor was at the house about a hundred yards from where i was fanning and instantly upon hearing the fan stop he came down to the treading yard to inquire into the cause of our stopping bill smith told him i was sick and that i was unable longer to bring wheat to the fan i had by this time crawled away under the side of a post and rail fence in the shade and was exceedingly ill the intense heat of the sun the heavy dust rising from the fan the stooping to take up the wheat from the yard together with the hurrying to get through had caused a rush of blood to my head in this condition covey finding out where i was came to me and after standing over me a while, he asked me what the matter was i told him as well as i could for it was with difficulty that i could speak he then gave me a savage kick in the side which jarred my whole frame and commanded me to get up the man had obtained complete control over me and if he had commanded me to do any possible thing i should in my then state of mind have endeavoured to comply i made an effort to rise but fell back in the attempt before gaining my feet the brute now gave me another heavy kick and again told me to rise i again tried to rise and succeeded in gaining my feet but upon stooping to get the tub with which i was feeding the fan i again staggered and fell to the ground and i must have so fallen had i been sure that a hundred bullets would have pierced me as the consequence while down in this sad condition and perfectly helpless the merciless Negro breaker took up the hickory slab with which hughes had been striking off the wheat to a level with the sides of the half bushel measure a very hard weapon and with the sharp edge of it he dealt me a heavy blow on my head which made a large gash and caused the blood to run freely saying at the same time if you have got the headache i'll cure you this done he ordered me again to rise but i made no effort to do so for i had made up my mind that it was useless and that the heartless monster might now do his worst he could but kill me and that might put me out of my misery finding me unable to rise or rather despairing of my doing so covey left me with a view to getting on with the work without me i was bleeding very freely and my face was soon covered with my warm blood cruel and merciless as was the motive that dealt that blow dear reader the wound was fortunate for me bleeding was never more efficacious the pain in my head speedily abated and i was soon able to rise covey had as i have said now left me to my fate and the question was shall i return to my work or shall i find my way to st michael's and make captain auld acquainted with the atrocious cruelty of his brother covey and beseech him to get me another master remembering the object he had in view in placing me under the management of covey and further his cruel treatment of my poor crippled cousin Henny, and his meanness in the matter of feeding and clothing his slaves there was little ground to hope for a favorable reception at the hands of captain thomas auld nevertheless i resolved to go straight to captain auld thinking that if not animated by motives of humanity he might be induced to interfere on my behalf from selfish considerations he cannot thought i allow his property to be thus bruised and battered marred and defaced and i will go to him and tell him the simple truth about the matter in order to get to st michael's by the most favorable and direct road i must walk seven miles and this in my sad condition was no easy performance i had already lost much blood i was exhausted by over-exertion my sides were sore from the heavy blows planted there by the stout boots of mr covey and i was in every way in an unfavorable plight for the journey i however watched my chance while the cruel and cunning covey was looking in an opposite direction and started off across the field for st michael's this was a daring step if it failed it would only exasperate covey and increase the rigors of my bondage during the remainder of my term of service under him but the step was taken and i must go forward i succeeded in getting nearly halfway across the broad field towards the woods before mr covey observed me i was still bleeding and the exertion of running had started the blood afresh come back come back vociferated covey with threats of what he would do if i did not return instantly but disregarding his calls and his threats i pressed on toward the woods as fast as my feeble state would allow seeing no signs of my stopping covey caused his horse to be brought out and saddled as if he intended to pursue me the race was now to be an unequal one and thinking i might be overhauled by him if i kept the main road i walked nearly the whole distance in the woods keeping far enough from the road to avoid detection and pursuit but i had not gone far before my little strength again failed me and i laid down the blood was still oozing from the wound in my head and for a time i suffered more than i can describe there i was in the deep woods sick and emaciated pursued by a wretch whose character for revolting cruelty beggars all opprobrious speech bleeding and almost bloodless i was not without the fear of bleeding to death the thought of dying in the woods all alone and of being torn to pieces by the buzzards had not yet been rendered tolerable by my many troubles and hardships and i was glad when the shade of the trees and the cool evening breeze combined with my matted hair to stop the flow of blood after lying there about three-quarters of an hour brooding over the singular and mournful lot to which i was doomed my mind passing over the whole scale or circle of belief and unbelief from faith in the overruling providence of god to the blackest atheism i again took up my journey toward st michael's more weary and sad than in the morning when i left thomas Ald's for the home of mr covey i was barefooted and bareheaded and in my shirt-sleeves the way was through bogs and briars and i tore my feet often during the journey i was full five hours in going the seven or eight miles partly because of the difficulties of the way and partly because of the feebleness induced by my illness bruises and loss of blood on gaining my master's store i presented an appearance of wretchedness and woe fitted to move any but a heart of stone from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet there were marks of blood my hair was all clotted with dust and blood and the back of my shirt was literally stiff with the same briars and thorns had scarred and torn my feet and legs leaving blood marks there had i escaped from a den of tigers i could not have looked worse than i did on reaching st michael's in this unhappy plight i appeared before my professedly christian master humbly to invoke the interposition of his power and authority to protect me from further abuse and violence i had begun to hope during the latter part of my tedious journey toward st michael's the captain auld would now show himself in a nobler light than i had ever before seen him i was disappointed i had jumped from a sinking ship into the sea i had fled from the tiger to something worse i told him all the circumstances as well as i could how i was endeavoring to please covey how hard i was at work in the present instance how unwillingly i sunk down under the heat toil and pain the brutal manner in which covey had kicked me in the side the gash cut in my head my hesitation about troubling him captain Ald with complaints but that now i felt it would not be best longer to conceal from him the outrages committed on me from time to time by covey at first master thomas seemed somewhat affected by the story of my wrongs but he soon repressed his feelings and became cold as iron it was impossible as i stood before him at the first for him to seem indifferent i distinctly saw his human nature asserting its conviction against the slave system which made cases like mine possible but as i have said humanity fell before the systematic tyranny of slavery he first walked the floor apparently much agitated by my story and the sad spectacle i presented but presently it was his turn to talk he began moderately by finding excuses for covey and ending with a full justification of him and a passionate condemnation of me he had no doubt i deserved the flogging he did not believe i was sick i was only endeavouring to get rid of work my dizziness was laziness and covey did right to flog me as he had done after thus fairly annihilating me and rousing himself by his own eloquence he fiercely demanded what i wished him to do in the case with such a complete knock-down to all my hopes as he had given me and feeling as i did my entire subjection to his power i had very little heart to reply i must not affirm my innocence of the allegations which he had piled up against me for that would be impudence and would probably call down fresh violence as well as wrath upon me the guilt of a slave is always and everywhere presumed and the innocence of the slaveholder or the slave employer is always asserted the word of the slave against this presumption is generally treated as impudence worthy of punishment do you contradict me you rascal is a final silencer of counter-statements from the lips of a slave calming down a little in view of my silence and hesitation and perhaps from a rapid glance at the picture of misery i presented he inquired again what i would have him do thus invited a second time i told master thomas i wished him to allow me to get a new home and to find a new master that as sure as i went back to live with mr covey again i should be killed by him that he would never forgive my coming to him captain Auld, with a complaint against him covey that since i had lived with him he had almost crushed my spirit and i believed that he would ruin me for future service that my life was not safe in his hands this master thomas my brother in the church regarded as nonsense there was no danger of mr Covey's killing me he was a good man industrious and religious and he would not think of removing me from that home besides said he and this i found was the most distressing thought of all to him if you should leave covey now that your year has but half expired i should lose your wages for the entire year you belong to mr covey for one year and you must go back to him come what will you must not trouble me with any more stories about mr covey and if you do not go immediately home i will get hold of you myself this was just what i expected when i found he had prejudged the case against me but sir i said i'm sick and tired and i cannot get home to-night at this he again relented and finally he allowed me to remain all night at st michael's but said i must be off early in the morning and concluded his directions by making me swallow a huge dose of epsom salts about the only medicine ever administered to slaves it was quite natural for master thomas to presume i was feigning sickness to escape work for he probably thought that were he in the place of a slave with no wages for his work no praise for well-doing no motive for toil but the lash. he would try every possible scheme by which to escape labor i say i have no doubt of this the reason is that there are not under the whole heavens a set of men who cultivate such an intense dread of labor as do the slaveholders the charge of laziness against the slaves is ever on their lips and is the standing apology for every species of cruelty and brutality these men literally bind heavy burdens grievous to be borne and lay them on men's shoulders but they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers my kind readers shall have in the next chapter what they were led perhaps to expect to find in this namely an account of my partial disenthralment from the tyranny of covey and the marked change which it brought about End of chapter sixteen